gorgeous, and welcome to the Lipstick Network, a place and space where we see, celebrate, and love one another. I am Charity Golden. I'm your host. Today, as our first podcast, oh, so exciting, I'm doing a segment on delivery during COVID, and I have the grand opportunity to interview a friend of mine, Dr. Mary Ashley Kane a high-risk OBGYN at Tampa General Hospital. You're going to love her. She is a ball of sunshine. I don't know how she has the energy that she does. So, book a lip. She's got some practical advice, a comfort for you. And she's got the reassurance of, just come to the hospital. We're here. We're doing our job. We got you. Hi. So let's start. First of all, let me just thank you. I'm so humbled and grateful for your time and what you do and just like the woman that you are. Full disclosure, uh, Ashley and I are mom friends. Our, her second daughter and my daughter are in preschool together, or they were, until my dear friend Ashley, Dr. Kane. We're going to call you Dr. Kane because there's nothing but R-E-S-P-E-C-T over here um, for this segment. Um, hello, Dr. Kane. How are you today? But you can call me Ashley any other time. Yes, Dr. So what I wanted to start off with was, would you just introduce yourself and, you know, what your name, um, your family, where you come from, and then did you always want to be a doctor? Oh, sure. Um, I am Mary Ashley Kane, and I grew up in a little north of Atlanta, and um, no one in my family is a doctor. And my dad was like an EMT growing up and he was like the family person that like you got a boo-boo, you went to dad, which is funny because I still sometimes call my dad about like, oh, this ache or whatever. And then I remember, no, I'm the family doctor now. What's his go-to for, for it's they put like Windex on it or what? Yeah, you know, like just the aspartame and like a Band-Aid, but he was like an EMT in the 70s and would talk about that. And I think if he had had a different background, he would have been a doctor. And so... Um, like they were always just really supportive of it. Like he's a salesman. My mom's a counselor, just like really into talking to people and counseling people and connecting in that way and caring for others. And, um, they were just super supportive of that. I had a Dr. Barbie and like, it was since I was three, like that was what I wanted to do. And like forever. So you knew three. At some point wow. in med school, I was like, I wish I didn't have a Dr. Barbie or like all the girls, there was one point in medical school where a lot of the women were like. Who all had a Dr. Barbie here? Lots of us did. You know. That makes me so happy that Barbie, it's like my Barbies were like Princess Barbie and like, you know, Malibu Barbie. I mean, I had no aspirations to be a healer. (laughs) I had all the Oh, I mean, you have to have the frill too. And yet I was pre-med. And then, and then Dr. Kane, in my first semester in undergrad, I took, or excuse me, my second semester, I took Orgo and it literally, it it made me cry every day. So how did you get through that? You just breathe, like you just took breaths? Yeah, I went to Davidson College, um, mostly went there because I was a, um, I was a swimmer and I swam at Davidson and, you know, no matter, and my sister swam as well. She was somewhere at Tennessee. And so I was really used to like, like time management and trying to push it all through. And I mean, organic chemistry did make me cry. And it was probably my lowest grade in all of medical school. But um, I mean, all of um, in college, but it was a very much like I chose to go there because of swimming. And it kind of kept me on par and have like a really good support network and got me used to waking up really early when I was a 
residence, I had to like wake up super early and go into class and my sister was still swimming and she's like, at least you don't have to jump in a cold pool, you know, like go in and see patients. And I was like, yeah, better than that at five o'clock in the morning. So, so it was five o'clock in the morning, some, you would start your day? In like medical school and residency for sure. Um, it gave okay. me some perspective and helped with like time management that, that like mm. college and being an athlete were very challenging. Can you explain what that time management, what is that time management tool? Because I'm still trying to learn about time management at 35. So, think, yeah, I what is I'm that? I think I'm still trying to learn, too, because the kids kind of throw you for another loop. But, um, you know, I always have, I feel like almost every second of my day is always scheduled out. Even if it's just, I'm going to work out at this 30 minutes or this is when I'm going to go in the pool with my kids. Like, that you have to kind of even take those those things with your children and make time for them and schedule them in. Like, I do kind of follow ridiculous schedules all the time, you know, to the point that it'll bother my husband because I'm like, what are we doing at 1210? Like, like how is this all going to work out? And, and now some of my job I can do from home, and, and I do have to kind of think through, like, well, I'm going to pick up the kids from preschool, but I'm going to read ultrasounds at 9 o'clock tonight, and this is how I'm going to manage my day. So I do kind of have, like, this rough okay. scaffolding for an entire day every day, how to get it done. Wow. Wow. And you prepare, and you prepare the night before. You prepare a week in advance, or you just how um, often do you do that? It depends on the on the week, um, but I have a pretty set schedule for each week as far as my clinics go, and so I'm able to kind. Of, I've kind of figured out like okay, like when I do things at certain times in the day, when I prep for a clinic, when I call patients, when when I'm gonna be with the kids. You know, I kind of have a similar schedule that's been a little bit thrown off for coronavirus, but. Um, but yeah, we just kind of think yeah. that through and, and, and it takes a lot of, especially with the kids and the job now, um, it's just a lot of communication with my husband and I, mm. which can be, it's been a, a, you know, you know, a newer thing. I'm sure you, you have to do the same thing with kids and, and everybody going different directions. You just, a lot of communication. Yeah. I'm standing in my closet right. recording a podcast, praying my baby doesn't wake up. So she might join us in a couple minutes, but yeah. um, okay. So let's go back. So Davidson medical school, where? At Medical College of Georgia, which is in Augusta, Georgia. Okay. Um, that's a good that's town. Like the state school in Georgia. And then uh, my husband, I met in, in college. And so he was in law school at U.S. and had a job down here in 2008 when nobody had a job. And so I matched here. I said, well, I guess I'm going to go to Tampa. Um, so yeah. we, um, I matched in Tampa. And then I was able to do my residency at USF. And then I did my fellowship at um, at USF as well in maternal fetal medicine. So they, so I was able to stay there. And so you did your fellowship in high risk. Is that, excuse my naivete, but is a fellowship in high risk? And how, is that what it is? Yeah, so you do a four-year residency in obstetrics and gynecology. And then I, um, I did three years of a fellowship in basically taking care of high-risk pregnancies. So either moms with complications or babies with complications. And so we specialize in fetal ultrasound, fetal procedures, and then um, moms with like diabetes, hypertension, um, any any kind of med med multiple sclerosis, anemia, like any complicating factors to a pregnancy, um, we take care of. Okay. So, so the misnomer of I did want you to kind of define high risk and you already have, but so I've heard that past the age of 35, you're already considered high risk, but that's not really true. It's really more complicated than that. And each, each woman is, is 
is different. It's her own unicorn. Yeah. Right. Certainly one of the complications that I take care of a lot of is patients that are over 35. That is one of the things that you'll get referred to a high risk OB or a maternal fetal medicine specialist. But um, it's one of the more common things. It's it's one of the least high risk things. Or not, you know, it's kind of in perspective, but you see a lot of that. It does make you somewhat high risk, but there's a lot more to it. Okay. So it, is that just because your things are older? Like what, what does being 35, I just kind of want to educate myself around being 35 and high risk. What, what does that, yeah, go ahead. Your risk of genetic complications goes up in the, and specifically like Down syndrome and a couple other okay. genetic syndromes of having a baby with one of those complications goes up. It goes up your whole life, but when you're 35, your risk of having a baby with Down syndrome specifically is about 1 in 240, okay. whereas when you're 20, it's like 1 in 2,000, mm, and okay. when you're 40, it's about 1 in 80, so okay. it goes up really quick there, that oh, wow. last, you know, that, 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 that it kind of starts to spike, so we've kind of somewhat chosen 35 as the time where you should have counseling about your testing options, and we do a more detailed ultrasound to assess for, okay. for a genetic problem. Okay. Now with, thank you for clarifying. Now with COVID, tell me a little bit about um, kind of how your day has changed from pre-COVID to during COVID. And I would love to learn a little bit more about the protocol that Tampa General Hospital is taking to address this global pandemic. The biggest thing is that the protocol is continuously changing, um, you know, in, in response to having newer tests available, new more information available, and then assessing what's going on day to day. We get an update every single day from the um, leadership at USF and at um, TPH. So I get like two emails from them and I get our leader, our department chair has a meeting once a week to talk about it. So it's kind of always evolving. But, okay. um, and that's great because I think that, you know, what works this week and what's available this week is different than three weeks ago. And so it does need to be always yeah. evolving and changing. But basically, we, we went a few weeks ago to like a team system because what we had seen happen, and we, we have the benefit of being able to learn from areas like New York, San Francisco, and like Seattle, and see what happened there and try to prepare for all the possibilities here. So we went okay. to a system where you we had kind of an out-of-the-hospital team doing telehealth visits. And, um, and reading ultrasounds and doing that sort of a out, you know, kind of not, not touching the hospital system people. And then we have a hospital team and we have an outpatient team that's seeing patients in a clinic. And we've been oh, rotating wow. every two weeks. And that's to prevent us from getting sick and then also to limit the amount of people that come into contact with each other. So if we that that way if one patient or one person were to develop coronavirus and expose a lot of people we have a team at home that we can bring in um to cover for okay them. And so, oh that's clever mm-hmm. and usf and tgh have been phenomenal at um converting to telehealth visits we've been i think yesterday they said that usf did a thousand telehealth visits across its practice group so it's kind of amazing to go from almost no telehealth to a thousand in a day it's, pretty big deal in a month that's amazing thank god for technology right oh thank god and it's something that might be helpful outside of corona we i feel i take care of a lot of patients that come from very far away where they can't get care elsewhere they have limited transportation so i'm hoping that this is something that 
Well, that was going to be one of my, I, I, I love that you brought that up because that's one of the things that's really been, I've been paying attention to is the marginalized communities that don't have access to healthcare. Right. And I, I mean, yeah. we'll talk about, we can't talk about that system at large. No. That's not where our focus is, but you know, like you're saying, people who have to drive an hour and a half or two and a half hours, I mean, what a beautiful opportunity and space to, to fill that void. Right. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, there's definitely like a little bit, there's some silver linings that if some of these things that we may change it really quickly, that if they can continue, they may be helpful in other populations as well. So That, that makes me so hopeful, I have to tell you. I, I love, let's just start that, that there's, oh, yay, silver lining. There's yeah. some hope in all of this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So then, so let's talk a little bit about like mom's experience um, going into deliver at a hospital. So, uh what would you recommend? I remember registering at a hospital before I was, you know, a month or two before I was even due and doing all of that. Then you, your water breaks, let's say it's just, you know, textbook water breaks, mucus plug falls out, and then, you know, your contractions are three and a half minutes apart and, oh, things are chugging along. So let's just take that. What ha- What is the, the best process for a mom to... Um, to avoid contamination from COVID or being exposed to rather. And what can she kind of expect in terms of support? Is she allowed a partner or a doula or support person? Um, I know it's it's getting a little bit better, but what is the, the experience supposed to look like for a mom who's expecting? Well, we definitely recommend that any expecting mom reach out to your provider to ask what's going on at their specific hospital because those, like I said, the, the protocols are, are continually changing based on what we feel like is safest um, for the patient, the staff, and, and everyone involved. At Tampa General, we do, um, we have screening when you come into the hospital. We screen like, um, the last time I was there, it was cough and, and, and you know, travel history, but I think also now they include a temperature check. And then, um, and then you're allowed one visitor during the labor and delivery process, and that person cannot leave. Okay. So once they're there, they're they're there. They can't like come and go because it sort of defeats the contamination okay. purpose. And we ask that they tend to stay in the room. So that can be a little rough, especially in my yeah. high risk patients where they're there for prolonged stays sometimes. Um, the mm. other thing is to think through who will be taking care of your other children and kind of have a process for that because they cannot come on to L and D either. And so you need to, okay. you know, have that thought through as much as possible. Oh, so children are not allowed right now. Children are not, and just one, um, just one visitor, and that, and they can't leave. So that's okay. it's hard if you're here okay. without family or other support to be there with your husband okay. or your other partner or whoever, and they, yeah. and then have who's taking care of other children. I think as a mom of three, that goes through my head with my third child a lot without coronavirus. So yeah. I can only imagine the yeah. additional stressors. Are there services available to the support partner and the laboring mom? Or is there food available? I've yeah. heard, you know, I've read things that like the cafeteria is shut down. Do people need to bring food for themselves? What does that look the, like? You know, the cafeteria is shut down to the patients and visitors, but they do okay. do meals for like the typical, the meals that you would have in the hospital in are given to the partner as well, to your visitor Okay, well. excellent. Yeah. So they do provide that. And right now, are moms who are laboring wearing masks? Are nurses wearing N95s, doctors? What does that PPE situation look like from mom to baby to, to caretaker? Our standard PPE for delivery included like a mask um, and a face shield and a mask and a 
think there's been some additional wearing of, of um, masks and then goggles uh, um, okay. to cover up for all the people in the room because there's some thoughts that labor and delivery is somewhat of what is called an aerosolizing procedure or something that would cause, um, that can cause the, the virus to aerosolize. Okay. But at Tampa General, we've been very fortunate that we have a lot of testing. And so we have, and we have a rapid turnaround on the test, about two to six hours at the hospital. You said, how, I'm sorry, how many hours? Like two to six. <gasps> wow. So we, yeah. So that's, and that's, that's for like reserved for the inpatients. If we don't feel, if the person's not going to be in, admitted to the hospital, then they're not getting that rapid test. They're getting that, you know, two or three days. They're getting an outpatient test. Okay. To conserve those, okay. but we are testing all of our C-sections and um, anyone at risk for a C-section, and then I believe soon it will be every inpatient is getting a test. So that's going to okay. help somewhat to, to have an idea of who's who's been exposed, who's got it, who you know the the feared asymptomatic carrier will be kind of helped out there. Um, so I think that's really we've been really lucky to be able to test that widely. No, the two to six hours is blowing my mind. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've heard there's not enough swabs. There's, you know, my neighbor got tested. It took 17 days. Oh, you know, wow. just, oh, so it makes, yeah. So is this, this is one of the questions that expectant moms can call their, their health provider and say, hey, how are you guys doing rapid testing? Right. But you did specifically mention C-sections. Does that mean that vaginal delivery is not being given the two to six well, currently? Well, the, you know, and all this has changed within the last week. So it was okay. every C-section was getting it because they were at risk for being intubated. And now it has mm. gone to, it's increased to like every, we're increasing that testing. And so when they're rolling that out, I'm not totally sure. Okay. Okay. Um, and I'm going to, can I pause yeah, you for just one second? I've got to, I'm actually dropping off face shields for the hospital. Oh, <laughs> so let me totally. On hold for just Let's one second. Let's contribute to that. Yeah. Dr. Kane will be right back after she's dropped off face shields at our local hospital. Uh, I don't know if I was, was I muted? Oh, you're good. Yeah, you were muted. I thought you muted me. It's all good. No, I was muted, but I was like, I was talking to my partner who's worked going to the hospital tonight. He lives down the street and I was, we got a bunch of face shields donated to take to our like sonographers and L&D. And um, so I was giving them to him to go in and he's like, hey, we're testing everybody. Did you know that? So we were just oh, talking so, about- so all- Oh, exactly. yay. Oh, there. thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank yeah, you, universe. That's amazing. So oh, good. So he, so he's on the rotation where he's currently in the hospital. Yeah, he'll be in there tonight. Yeah. Okay. So. And how do you feel, Dr. Kane, about, I mean, when you are, because you go in next week, you said, you know, when you, do you feel protected? Do you, do you feel like there's enough PPE? I, I kind of want to shift to the hope in all of this. What is not as bad as you thought it would be? I, I do feel protected. I feel like our teams here have done a very good job of getting things together, of being prepared. And we are not having that we're not a hot spot and we don't have the big surge that other cities have had. I think the biggest, strongest, most important thing is for women to know that we are still there to take care of them. And to, if they yeah. think anything is wrong or they're concerned, go to the hospital just like normal because I don't want patients avoiding the hospital setting out of the fear for coronavirus or not feeling protected. When you're up there on L&D, you, you very quickly kind of, you know, like in the clinic today, I just sort of get back into my click, into my, my groove of take care of patients because that's what's yeah. actually happening. You know, <laughs> that's, 
there's actually yeah. more likely for you to have pregnancy complications right now in Tampa than, than coronavirus. And so we have okay. to keep that in mind, that we are here to take care of you and come to the hospital as usual. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for just saying that. Just full stop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've you've literally been called to do this since you were three years old. Yeah. I feel like come what may. I mean, I have to tell you, when I look at healthcare workers, I mean, from the maintenance people to the nurse to the, you know, RNs and the assistants to the doctors who are just it is I'm just laid out in gratitude well, for this you. calling that's been put on your life. Do you know what I mean? But really being the hands and feet and just meeting people where they're at and seeing the need and going above and beyond. When you have little kids of your own, uh, there's just, uh, I'm so grateful and so thankful for you and for your colleagues all over oh, the world that are just, oh, so thank you. Ugh, I'm going to get all emotional. Oh, well, thank oh. you. That's very touching. And, and, you know, I think that, I think that there's a lot to be said for that, that, that we're all doing our part, like people that are staying home and they're making the sacrifices by not eating out or, you know, taking financial like sacrifices are very much doing their part as well. And because of some yeah. of those things, like I can feel more comfortable going to work because we haven't become a hotspot here. And, mm. you know, in the first few weeks, it was pretty stressful because uh, we didn't have some, we didn't quite know what we were dealing with. And now as we've gotten more knowledge, I feel a little more comfortable at work. And like, I have protocols in place. And like, now that I'm coming into the house from the clinic, I'm going to go, you know, shower off and <laughs> all of yeah. those things. So. So there, you know, there are, you know, a lot of people involved in making this a better, um, a better situation than it had, than it could have been. That's amazing. I'm going to ask you like two, maybe three more questions because I know you're getting home and ready to go relax with your family. I'm ready to go decontaminate. <laughs> yeah, go decontaminate. Go. That's what I call the garage is the decontamination zone. Now, with postpartum support, which, you know, I mean, postpartum depression, PPD, is have you seen a rise in any of that during COVID? And that leads to my second point, uh, 1B, is what are some resources that moms can go to just get some support? You had told me about the research that's coming out of Columbia University. Um, are there any, any resources that you would say moms whether you're you have already delivered or dealing with some postpartum this is where you need to go to feel supported um you know i think your general ob hopefully is able to provide a lot of those for the postpartum depression we are seeing increased rates of intimate partner violence um and so that is okay a big concern of all of this that and everybody kind of looks at the risks versus benefits and so um, you know, we have to keep that in, in mind when we're talking about social distancing and the benefits of it, that there are some real risks that need to be addressed. Um, and so if you're having concerns. Yeah. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? That pregnancy is a pretty high risk time for domestic abuse and um, particularly okay. in a setting where you're being confined to the home, increased stressors, increased, you know, abilities to get out, move, do different things that um, we're seeing a slightly a tick uptick in that. And so um, we do encourage patients to contact their providers, contact, there's um, resources in within Tampa Bay for, um, you know, there's a crisis hotline, there's the spring, there's several different, um, different outlets for patients to try to get into in this setting, you know, and if they're concerned about um, intimate partner violence. Or have you okay. know, domestic abuse. I issues. actually had a I had a friend deliver about a week ago, and she's actually in one of those dynamics. And 
she said to me that the staff, the nursing, the doctors actually picked up on the, the, the abuse and they were actually able to say, hey, this is protocol. We're going to have a social worker come in and this is just a postpartum screening, la la la. And actually the social worker said, you know, mom needs rest. You need to leave. And once he left, he couldn't actually get back into the hospital. So um, that there are resources uh, at the hospital once you get there as well, if you can't reach out. Right. Certainly. Unfortunately, so many dynamics that you can't text or whatever. All right. My last question for you is and I know this is going to make you blush, but what makes you extraordinary as a woman, wife, mom and doctor? Time for self-love. Time for my self-love. You know, I think one of the things that like I I don't know if this is the thing that I'm most proud of and I'm home going to put you on the on the video. I would love to see you say this about yourself. You know, one of the things that I think I'm most proud of or like that I, I like to think of as extraordinary is just the the fact that my, my daughters look up to me being a doctor and like setting that example for them. I don't know that that's what they'll choose, but um, for their career and that's fine. But I do, I do, um, I value that, that like being an example to them has like kind of been one of the more important things in my life, which I think is one of the things that I really liked about you the first time I met you. It's hard to be the working mom that's like not there that much at preschool. And then when I was there and I met you and you were like, oh, girl power, you're a doctor. That's right. Like, and you really were supportive of that. And that was, that was nice. I, I mean, I'm so humbled. I'm, I'm grateful that you're my friend ah, and so you are an inspiration to me. You know, you have two girls and a son and then I have two girls and, you know, sometimes I really worry about like, am I doing enough? You know, what I'm doing as a mostly stay at home mom, kicking off a podcast, you know, growing companies. And I look at you and I'm just so, um, inspired by you. Uh, one of the things about this podcast too, is, uh, I think that too often we're given things that we need to aspire to be. And I want to focus on what is inspiring and you are inspiring. And the fact that you, that there's grind and there's sacrifice and you have to sit down every day and figure out the next day, how are you going to love your husband, serve your kids and serve this community? I'm just laid out by you. And I am grateful you're my friend. And, um, you know, thank you for putting love into the world. And I think to also, also like you're kind of saying is that you also set a great example for the, the being, having those other choices too, yeah. that you can do that as well. And it can be fulfilling and can, and is an excellent choice. And people shouldn't forget that, that there's a lot of value to that too. You know, so I think that, that like being able to show people all of the different aspects that like give women every opportunity for whatever they want and whatever they choose to do. Yes, girl, girl power. And honestly, like Ashley, Dr. Kane, no, for us as moms, (laughs) whatever variation of that for us to unite in this sisterhood of womanhood and of motherhood, whatever you're called to mother or not, but just this sisterhood of womanhood and girl power. And how do we, how do we love and support each other? And uh, you are doing that on a daily basis and you do that as my friend. Friend. And I just, yeah. I think that the point is, is to make a better future for our kids, for the world. Yeah. And it starts with us. And if there's any, you know, any other questions that come up or anybody has them, let me know. But um, yeah, just make sure you, you know, remember like labor and delivery happens. You just go to the hospital and have a baby and put that as, you know, we kind of put the, put on a mask and then put the fears aside and, and just let our, you know, do the, take care of people in the normal way. 
And can I just say one more thing is like, aren't women who are laboring and delivering like the most majestic warrior <laughs> princesses, like amazing, right? Right. Oh. And so when they get in that, if that's going to happen and that takes over and, and then we just support you through that in the same it. way we always have. Always. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Have a good day. Enjoy the weather. It was good. I'm glad to be on here. Since we're not going back, I will get to see you, though, in the fall. Yeah, definitely. I'll see you. Are we not doing summer school? I don't even know. Is that happening? I don't know. I will do it if we have it. I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag need a break. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Have a good day. It's so good to see you. Stay safe. All right. (laughs) Bye. What a blessing she is. Well, we just got to speak with Dr. Mary Ashley Kane, who is a high-risk OBGYN at the TGH Hospital here in Tampa, Florida. I am so humbled by her friendship, by her inspiration. She's just one of these dynamic women. And you heard her. If you're a mom, just go to the hospital. You're going to be safe. Everybody is for you. Therefore, who can be against you? Go claim your birthright to bear the future um, and feel safe. If you need support, if the dynamic at home is difficult for you, please know that there are resources at the hospital for you around Tampa Bay. Just Google that. Um, If you can't, if your partner checks your phone, please know that once you get to the hospital, there are people there that you can wink at or make nonverbal suggestions to that will help you. So be empowered. Do not be afraid for we know that perfect love drives out all fear. You are loved. You are love. You're putting love into the world. So thank you, Dr. Kane. We love you. Thank you everyone who is supporting the women all over the world, bringing the future into uh, today. Bye guys. I would love to know your story. Or if you want to bring sunshine to somebody who has an extraordinary story that you want to see, celebrate, and love on, email me, DM me. I'm on the socials at the Lipstick Network. This is the beginning of something really great. I pray that this serves you. I pray that you feel loved and celebrated and seen. I'm Charity Golden. I'm your host here at the Lipstick Network. I see you. I celebrate you. I love you. Can't wait till next time. Till then, behave yourself. Ciao.